Bardio. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, technology is a great thing because all three of us this week are in totally different spots around the country. I'm actually in New York City covering the A's. Matt Barrows is in San Jose. I think he's probably at home. And Dennis Brown is in studio in San Francisco. So, guys, uh, hello from, from afar, a few thousand miles away. Hello from San Jose. Welcome from San Francisco. Is the weather good back home? Yeah, no uh, no hurricanes creeping up this coast. Uh, we had a very nice uh, day game, weather game, yesterday for the finale. And it only lasted... Three minutes and, and uh, or three hours and three minutes, which uh, I think is good for a, a game four. And the weather in San Francisco is San Francisco, a little overcast. You got some fog that's going to burn off later today. A high of 72 degrees. Well, I'm in New York in August, so I envy you right now. But the, the hotel is air conditioned, uh, and I guess it's not as, as hot as it was last week, but you still have that humidity. When you walk out here and you're just not used to it, it, it could be cooler than, than normal here, but you still start sweating a little bit. I will be at Yankee Stadium tonight, though, covering a baseball game, which is kind of a bucket list thing. So we'll see about that. Looking forward to rejoining you guys in person for for future podcasts, but we'll have to do it this way so far. Uh, so good with the technology. Uh, I was also able to use technology to, to track the 49ers highlights last night, even though I couldn't get the broadcast of the game. On Twitter, people post those videos right away. And it, yes, it was the fourth preseason game, but I thought that there was a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, you know, you had a lot of effort last night, right? From the CG. Jay Bethard downfield lead block on that touchdown to uh, that was Jeff Wilson, right? Scoring that touchdown. So you had that, you had the Kendrick Bourne diving touchdown. You had some performances for the defensive linemen. I'm wondering, you guys were actually at Levi stadium. What stood out to you most in that game against the chargers? Uh, Jeff Wilson jr. I mean, it was a Jeff Wilson jr. Show last night. And from the first snap into all the way into the fourth quarter. I mean, he really, I mean, he's one of those guys who were, in that competition, uh, in that running back room. And I think it's going to be determined what happens with Jarek McKenna, what happens uh, if if Jeff Wilson's on this football squad. But last night, he made it tough for Coach Shanahan uh, to make a decision, or he made it really easy because he had a fantastic game, over 100 yards, I believe, uh, and uh, a, a couple touchdowns. So for me, it was Jeff Wilson, and, and it was good to see him out there. He's a guy that we all know. He, he, he loves running between the tackles, but uh, he, he was so patient last night, and you saw him a lot of cutbacks against the grain, just being patient, waiting for his blocks, and then hitting those holes, you know, one cut, jump cut up the field. So Jeff Wilson, for me, you know, he was my MVP last night. Yeah, Wilson looked really good. I mean, he's a guy that uh, uh, brought the wood last year, and then he added a little bit to that wood. He put on about 15 pounds, and that really – uh, benefited to him, uh, certainly his style. And you see that. Uh, Dennis is right. He's a great runner. Um, he's he's patient in the gaps, and then uh, all he needs is a, a couple of feet to really lower his shoulder and bowl you over, and you saw that. Now, whether he makes the 53-man roster or not, I, I don't know. I don't have him on, on my projection uh, only because it's just getting so crowded uh, and also because – yeah, he did get 100 yards last night, but he also uh, had 20 carries and, and played well deep into the second half. And I'm not sure that signals uh, a guy that the team was uh, uh, planning to keep on their 53-man roster. It seems like he might be headed to the practice squad if 
uh, another squad. The, the Texans are looking for a running back. A couple of other teams, too. Uh, don't uh, sweep him up off of waivers. Yeah, I guess it's a good time to delve into our 53-man roster projection. We could kind of go from section to section in this, and, and running backs, I guess, is a good place to start now that we're talking about them. Kyle talked a little bit about how many he plans to carry yesterday, and, and I think that there's a heavy lean toward putting Jarek McKinnon on, on IR after, you know, the latest setback with his knee. He's recovering from that ACL. It's now been, you know, we're just two days short of exactly a year since Jarek McKinnon tore the ACL. He's still having flare-ups. That means that the 49ers, I think, will probably IR him before the cutdown on Saturday. That will open up another roster spot. And then the question is, is there room for Jeff Wilson? Because it's going to be Tevin Coleman for sure, Matt Breida for sure, Raheem Mostert for sure, and then Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback for sure. Do they carry a fifth guy? And at this point, you know, I, I would not be confident listing Jarek McKinnon in that discussion. So I think it has to center around Jeff Wilson. What do you think, Dennis? I, I think you're, you know, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, you, you talk about that running back room, Raheem Moster. I mean, he works out because he plays some special teams. Well, he plays great special teams. That's his thing. He's the gunner. But also, he's really, really functional when you give him the ball in the backfield. So that helps him out a lot. Now, the man who's going to be kind of missed out here is Austin Walter. I mean, he's a guy who who played well against the Cowboys. Uh, he ran well last night. Not the biggest guy in the world, but he runs tough. So I think he's going to be the guy that might be on someone's waiver line or might be in a practice squad. But, again, like I said, if Jarek McKinnon goes on IR for the season and they don't see him coming back, and I wonder really what's going on with that ACL. I mean, he, he gets a doctor's approved to practice and then something happens. It, it makes me feel like there's something else going on with that with that ACL. But last night, like I said, Jeff Wilson made it really tough. You know, you would hate to put him on waivers and somebody picks him up because, you know, he's going to be a fine running back for some team and hopefully here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think that uh, if he did get put on waivers, they're going to be, you know, hundreds of running backs that go on waivers on on Saturday. So, the, the crowded nature of it makes you think that he could slip through to the 49ers practice squad. But, I mean, all of these teams are looking very closely at all of these games. They're, they're really no mysteries. So the uh, the scouts out there, the advanced scouts, et cetera, know exactly what Jeff Wilson can do. They know what he did last year when he got a chance. They know that he's even bigger this year. So I, he's got to be one of the, the, the top guys at that position who, uh, who they've circled as somebody who's a possibility to go on the waiver wire. If he, if he gets through, I think he definitely makes the 49ers practice squad. He's the next guy up if there's an injury. And then I, I think there's a chance that Austin Walter is there too. As Dennis noted, uh, he's run really well for this team. He's a very um, hard guy to bring down. He, he's small. He's squat. He's uh, one of those guys with really terrific balance, maybe not great speed but um, is a hard runner and uh, hard to tackle, and, and that's what you want in a uh, backup running back. Well, just to clarify, because we get a ton of questions about this on Twitter, and I think there are a lot of misconceptions, when the 49ers are constructing their roster, these IR decisions that are going to be coming here in the next couple of days, right before the cutdown, are extremely important to keep in mind because of the limitations of a 53-man roster. So the 49ers are going to have a couple options with Jarek McKinnon. One of them is to carry him on the 53-man roster, and then put him on injured reserve, which would make him eligible to come back around week eight, around midseason. And the other 
would be to put him on injured reserve before the cutdown, but that means that he cannot come back all season. So the difference there is, does McKinnon take up a roster spot or does he not? And and that's obviously a big deal when you consider the, the trickle-down effect to the other positions. And I think that given the uncertainty, um, you know, you look at all these backs, but but the guy that, that is the big question mark health-wise, uh, you know, you can afford giving Jeff Wilson a roster spot if you want to up this to five guys. But if you give Jarek McKinnon a roster spot and he's not ready all year because his knee keeps flaring up, that would be a huge, huge blow to the 49ers because that means you got to cut somebody else for a guy who's on the bench the whole season. So that's just to clarify how the roster situation and, and the dynamics and the rules will work out at running back. Well, that being said, why don't we move to another position, you know, the most important one where where the, the numbers are also really important because they're going to have a trickle-down effect at, at, at quarterback. I know that we talked about this a little bit at the top, um, but between Mullins and Bethard, uh, you know, I, I think that Mullins is the guy that the 49ers are protecting a little bit more, right? You saw C.J. Bethard out there uh, lead-blocking yesterday in the first half. That was an awesome play to watch. But, Dennis, before we went on air, uh, you, you mentioned you saw something, a little bit of something in Mullins' brief action in the second half. Yeah, you know, you know Mullins – came in, I believe it was the third quarter, kind of late or early third quarter, and uh, he got a little pressure. He took a, he took a low hit <clears throat> excuse me, from two defensive linemen, and that was it. He got up, kind of shook his head. He, you know, kind of, you can tell he kind of felt it, and uh, you didn't see Nick Mullins anymore. So that, that showed me right there that, you know, that, that is the backup quarterback and they're protecting him, and he came out the game. He didn't see him anymore the rest of the night. So, you know, I think Nick Mullins had, you know, last season, I think he played well. Uh, he had a great training camp. He had some, some great showings uh, during the preseason, and I think he's kind of earned that right to be that backup quarterback. Now, C.J. Beathard started most of the game. Which he played first half until the third quarter, had some good plays, um, you know, he's building his own resume. I mean, as far as other teams looking at him and kind of see what he can bring to the table. But, you know, he did some things. He didn't do anything fantastic. He had that one pass, Kendrick Bourne caught in the end zone. And But, you know, we know what C.J. Beathard is, and I think Coach Sanahan knows. And I think, you know, I, I'm hearing it's not going to be three quarterbacks. Um, we all know that Coach Shanahan kind of handpicked C.J. Beathard, and we'll see what happens with that. But, I would still, I still wouldn't be surprised if if they held on somehow to C.J. Beathard. Yeah, that, that's the way I sort of reconcile it in my head. I think that Shanahan has concluded that if Jimmy Garoppolo were to go down in Week Three again this year, that Nick Mullins would be the the best backup at that point, but that he still feels as if uh, C.J. Beathard will ultimately be the the better quarterback, and, that, and that's why he loved to hang on to uh, both of those guys uh, for the short term and for the long term. Uh, the question is whether the, the numbers game allows him to do that. And I just wonder whether, just given all the struggles that Beathard had last year, gets hit a lot, turns the ball over a lot, both on you know, interceptions and on fumbles because he gets hit a lot, uh, whether he could slip through to the practice squad and they could keep him another year that way. Um you know, there are at least three teams with backup quarterback issues, the Texans, the Colts, the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos are probably looming larger uh, as far as the 49ers are concerned than, than any other squad. So there, there are teams that could snap him up. Uh, I just wonder if that's the route that they ultimately try to go. And, and David, you, you were talking about this, the, the mere fact that 
Shanahan has been so forthright about saying, yeah, we're going to keep three quarterbacks on this roster, uh, th- that tends to uh, get the, uh, the, the the BS detector uh, moving a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, you have to read between the lines and you have to take context into consideration when Shanahan is discussing this. And the, the first such instance came in Kansas City last week when Shanahan went out of his way to say that the 49ers would take three quarterbacks instead of waiting to be asked by it. And Kyle rarely volunteers that kind of information. In fact, he's never volunteered that information. And, I, you know, I'm an action speak louder than words kind of guy. Kyle Shanahan, in two years coaching the 49ers, has taken two quarterbacks on the 53-man roster both times. And both times he said, well, it's because we want to limit the tough decision we make elsewhere on the roster, so we're only going to take two because that opens up another spot for another promising player. Well, nowhere is that more true than, than this season, especially relative to the last two, because the roster is stronger for the 49ers, right? So if Kyle could have only taken two quarterbacks in 2017 and 2018 because he's worried about cutting a good player, then that should be even more true this year because the 52nd, 53rd, and 54th players on this 49ers roster are definitively better than they were in years prior. So I look at the history. I look at the fact that Shanahan went out of his way to say that they're going to keep three because they have three NFL-caliber players in Kansas City. And, and I look at that as more of a let's inflate their trade value kind of thing. Let's see if we could maybe get a team to bite on Nick Mullins or even better, let's see if we could get a team to bite on, on C.J. Beathard, who has a less successful track record so far in the NFL. And let's see if we can get something out of these guys because you don't want to deflate their value at this point by saying, oh, we're only going to keep two. You want to pump up their value. And, and I think this is trade posturing. Now, whether or not the 49ers are able to get something in return for a trade remains to be seen. And if they don't get a good offer, it will be really interesting to see if Kyle Shanahan is bluffing. Um, or if, if he's not bluffing and he says, we're really not going to give these guys away, then he will carry three. But I think that the opportunity cost of carrying three this year is just so much greater. And, and I still think that Kyle, you know, even after his comments yesterday when he said yes in response to a question about taking three. He was just so, so short about it yesterday. He's normally more elaborate in his answers, and yesterday it was just one word. So I think that, that they're trying really hard to get something in return for that third guy because carrying three just seems unnecessarily inefficient for this roster. Yeah, and it just sounds like when we talk about the 53-man uh, squad or roster, it's pretty fluent. I mean, it, you know, today, tomorrow, I think it, it, it's always constantly changing. And, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and all the scouts, I'm sure, are always out there looking for kind of what what's the value of this, what's the leverage of that. So, I mean, this roster, I don't think, you know, it would be settled first week, but I think it's always, you know, just kind of moving what's out there. And, and, and you know, I know we're talking about human beings, but it's just it's a, it's a commodity. I mean, there's a bunch of names on the board. This is what our team needs, and it's always going to kind of be going moving back and forth yeah as far as the quarterback is concerned I, I wonder if it's a sort of a double-edged sword that the 49ers are trying to walk and where they're you know on the phone with say the Colts and, and saying hey are you interested in C.J. Beathard and uh you know the the, the Colts are being standoffish or, or or whatnot but it also sends a signal to these teams that hey if we just wait patiently then maybe C.J. Beathard will be available on the waiver wire so uh, the, the 49ers have to be careful in, in shopping these guys and, and saying things, and um, I, I'm sure they are, but uh, I think that probably the other 31 teams realize that 
the, the, the 49ers would rather not keep three guys, even though they keep saying that they will. They'd rather keep two. Yeah, and that's why Kyle, A, went out of his way to emphasize we have three NFL-caliber quarterbacks in Kansas City, and that's why I think yesterday he didn't want to say too much. He just said yes because, you know, it's a poker game. And the more Kyle's not a good liar, obviously. I think that one of the things we love about Kyle is that he he's very, very forthright when, when he can be, obviously. Sometimes you have to play it close to the vest, but uh, I think that in a situation like, like this— uh, yesterday, the, the best course of action was to not talk too much. You don't want to tip any of your cards. So that's the read I got, it, got on it, and we'll see what happens here in the next couple of days. I think we're, we're all kind of on the same page there. What about the, the, the guys that the quarterback or the quarterbacks, the 49ers hope it's only Jimmy Garoppolo this year. They hope that he stays healthy. But what about the guys that, that the QB position is going to throw to, the wide receivers? It's a question of six or seven for the 49ers. And then it's a question of Kendrick Bourne or, or Jordan Matthews. I, I think it's trending more and more toward Richie James having a solid spot on this team. And, and I think that's the way it should be since Trent Taylor's hurt right now. And, and the 49ers could use a smaller, you know, quicker guy like Richie James who plays bigger than, than, than a smaller guy, too. I think Richie James, you know, I've evolved into thinking he's a lock for this roster. I think it's between Matthews and Bourne. And, and the common conception right now is that Matthews has the leg up uh, just based on the playing time yesterday. Uh, Dennis, would you carry Jordan Matthews or Kendrick Bourne on your 53-man roster? Oh, man. I mean, it, it's so strange that we're, we, we talk about all these different positions. And there's so many different great talent. And, and this is another one. I mean, the, the receiver crew. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, you know what Kendrick Bourne's going to do. He's going to drop some passes, but then he's going to be there for you to make a big play. And he did it last night. You know, he had a nice pass, nice – pass dropped over the middle and then you caught that touchdown pass Jordan Matthews smart dude he's a veteran uh you can count on him he's consistent but you know I I, I lean towards and you're right I think Richie James is going to make this team because he can play special teams uh but I'd lean towards Kendrick Bourne I think he's a guy that's been in the system uh he understands it a little bit more uh but he's got to work on those drop passes and and I tend to lean towards him a little bit yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Team Bourne as well. Um, I would keep him. However, in my 53-man projection, I, I'm keeping Jordan Matthews just because uh, all the all the quotes and all the the playing time figures that we have access to seem to point to him. I think that I, I agree with both of you that Richie James makes the uh, initial 53-man roster. He's sort of the substitute for Trent Taylor. We're also learning that Jalen Hurd might be out for a little longer than they thought with that back injury, certainly for week one in Tampa. So if he's playing in the slot, both Taylor and Hurd play out of the slot mostly. So you would have Jordan Matthews sort of as the fill-in for Hurd in that scenario as well. So it just makes sense from sort of a mathematical uh, roster-building standpoint. But uh, I, I tend to agree with you that Bourne offers you more. I mean, he gives you more excitement. He gives you more big plays. He gives you more touchdowns. Yeah, he also gives you more drops. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, which I think is uh, what uh, is is paining Shanahan, both uh, you know specific to Bourne and to the uh, wide receiver group as a whole, is that he just wants more consistency out of that group. And with Matthews, you do have that that veteran presence. You have a 
a level of reliability that uh, the other young guns uh, at that position just aren't giving you. You know, Kyle had an interesting comment in his post-game press conference yesterday. Somebody asked him about Bourne's drops, and, and Shanahan responded and said, I don't think his drops have, have been an issue. And I, I don't know if that was just a way to put a smokescreen over things, but Shanahan said that, yeah, all of our receivers have had some drops, and Bourne is no different. I don't think it's been a particular issue for him. So uh, if that is something to read into, maybe that tips the scales back the other way. But you're right. Given the, the fact that Matthews, I think, was out there more with the starters or whoever could be a starter in week four yesterday, and given the trend of things, it, it, it does seem that that's the way that the staff is leaning. But I still would say that, that this is close to a toss-up and let's just wait for the decision because there are a lot of things, and you guys mentioned most of them, that are working in Bourne's favor. And, and really, the, one of the top ones is he's 24 years old and Matthews is 27, and that's a big difference, you know, especially in this day and age of the NFL. When you have a younger, homegrown guy that, uh, you know, you could keep on bringing along, and not to mention that Kendrick Bourne has been very, very durable throughout his entire career. He, he hardly missed any time in college, and, and he's been very available for the 49ers here during his professional career, while Matthews, of course, has suffered some injuries, which is why he didn't get a multi-year contract this offseason. So you have a lot of things that do make Kendrick Bourne reliable, and then you have the drops that we did see, but then Kyle Shanahan yesterday said that he didn't think the drops you know, were too far above average for Kendrick Bourne. So I'm not really sure. I will leave you guys with this nugget, and I want to ask you, Dennis, how important you think this is. Um, both Bourne and Matthews are uh, both Bourne and Matthews are the top two run blockers on the entire 49ers team, according to PFF, uh, this preseason. So I think that Kyle loves that about both of them, and that's probably making this decision really hard. Yeah, you know, just to piggyback on what you said about the drops, I think it's pretty darn important to be able to catch the ball as a receiver. And if you're dropping balls. I think that's an issue. So I, I think Kyle is just kind of protecting his guy a little bit because you got to catch the ball. I mean, that you're a wide receiver. You're a receiver. That's what you do. You catch the football. So, you know, I play defensive line. If I miss tackles, my main job is to, is to tackle. If you miss tackles, it's hard to be on the football field. So that's got to be an issue. And, uh, you know, as far as, you know, who's going to – who's gonna, I, I can see both making the squad. I, I just – I was just reading about Jalen Hurd and his back, so that's going to be a factor. But I'm still kid, or uh, uh, team born. Yeah, I'm team born too. I wonder whether it's possible for him to slip through waivers and onto the practice squad. I know that seems illogical, uh, but we also have a very sort of uh, myopic view of this team. There are 31 other teams that, that have scads of receivers. There's going to be something like, I, I forget what the figure is, but well into the hundreds, maybe 200 receivers who are waived uh, on Saturday. Um, teams that are looking for receivers are going to be overwhelmed with choices. Uh, Kendrick Bourne doesn't have much of a uh, – he plays a little special teams, but not like Richie James. So uh, there's a there, there, there's reason to think that uh, they could have everybody that they want at the end of the day, not all of them on the 53-man squad, uh, with a couple of them on the practice squad. What about the contractual situation here? I know Jordan Matthews being a veteran, doesn't his contract vest after week two, therefore making him probably, you know, more obviously more expensive than Kendrick Bourne, who's on a rookie undrafted free agent deal. But uh, somebody was floating around the idea on Twitter, Matt, and, and you may know a little bit more about the details here of why don't the 49ers cut Jordan Matthews, keep Kendrick Bourne, who's cheaper, and then they could bring Matthews back after week two or week three after something in his contract changes. I'm not as familiar with this part 
of it, but they were saying that uh, it's possible that just because the fact that Bourne is younger, it, it might make more financial long-term sense to keep him. And, and based on what you're saying, if there's such a surplus of receivers on the market after Saturday, uh, what's to say that Jordan Matthews won't be available for the 49ers to pick up later either? Yeah, the rule is if you're on the roster in week one and you're a veteran like, like Matthews, your 2019 salary is guaranteed. If, if you're signed after week one, then um, you could get cut midseason, and you'd only have to be paid a, a prorated version of it. Um, you know, the 49ers just cut offensive tackle Sam Young today. That that's something that they could do with him. For example, uh, there are a few guys. Uh, you know, if they brought Malcolm Smith back, that would be an option for Malcolm Smith, the the linebacker. So you're absolutely right, and and they do that with one or two guys every year. The risk is that. You know, some other team would need a Jordan Matthews. Who's to say the uh, Patriots wouldn't wouldn't see him available and, and snap him up right there? Uh, but that that's certainly a possibility. And and you're right, this uh, market is going to be flooded with uh, wide receivers. Some of them name guys. Some of them the fans and and certainly teams are are quite familiar with over the next couple of days. So this uh, wide receiver group could go in a number of directions. All right, so who's the third tight end? Because George Kittle's obviously making this team. Ross Dwelly is making this team because Kyle Shanahan said so last night. He said that Dwelly has shown us enough, and that's why he didn't play yesterday. And uh, I don't think the 49ers dig in four tight ends. I think there's going to be three. Some people think there's only going to be two, but the, uh, I think that uh, three is probably a safe bet. My guy's Caden Smith. That means that Levine Toilolo would be on the way out. That means the 49ers would keep one Stanford guy and cut one Stanford guy. What do you think, Dennis? Um, I think you're right on target with that. I mean, of course, George, like you said, I think Ross has had a good. And, and you know, Caden's been out there. I think he's... I, I, when I look at when I think of a tight end, I don't think of a tight end, you know, the big plays down the field. I look at a tight end as a blocker. And uh, watching Caden looks like he is a good blocker. I think he may be a better blocker uh, than Ross. So I, I, I like Caden. I think he'd make the squad. Um, it's too bad the Stanford kid won't be on the squad because what is he, 6'9 or 6'7 or something like that? 6'8, like 6'8, yeah. I mean, With those cleats on, he's even taller. Yeah, I mean, he would be a beast in the red zone in some two tight end sets. So, you know, maybe there's a way that you kind of hold on to him. But, uh, I mean, Caden, I think right now, like I, from my point of view, his blocking helps him make the football team. Yeah, I, I think uh, Toy Lolo right now is the better blocker uh, versus Caden Smith. But uh, Smith has made some strides in the last two weeks in, in that uh, regard, and, and he's certainly the better route runner, uh, you know, getting out in space. He's a little bit faster than Levine Toy Lolo, which is saying something because Caden Smith fell in the draft because he wasn't all that fast. Uh, but like he did at Stanford, he's good at finding holes in the defense and um, you know, he's exactly what you want from that position, exactly what uh, Garrett Selleck was. He's not going to burn you for an 85-yarder like uh, George Kittle will, but uh, he's going to make some clutch catches every now and then, and you just don't see that happening from Levine Toilolo. I think Caden turned the corner against Denver in Week 2 of the preseason when Debo Samuel almost scored on that end around. If, if you go back and watch that Highlight, Caden Smith is there sprinting downfield, laying a couple nice blocks, just a bulldozer out in front of him. And I think that one play, and I talked to him in the locker room after, and he said, yeah, that, that's the one play when I finally figured out 
the the speed and the angles of the NFL because he said you know it's different the speed of the game changes the way that you have to approach the geometry of the game and for a guy that makes his living blocking downfield you know against these fast athletes in open space one step is is a huge difference or you know five degrees one way five degrees the other way that's going to make or break, break a block so Smith seems to be figuring it out and because of that, you know, it's a lot like the Bourne Matthews situation in my head between Smith and Toilolo. You get a younger guy uh, with a whole lot of upside versus a veteran who's also good. But I think in this case, if the younger guy's done enough, and I know in the Bourne situation, you have the drop, so that complicates things. But if all other things are equal, the younger guy's done enough you go with the ceiling. So speaking of blocking, what about the offensive line? I think eight offensive linemen, but the question is, who's going to be that last guy? I guess Josh Garnett wasn't very good last night. I didn't get to to see the game, but uh, Dennis, I'm wondering what you thought of the offensive line's play because we saw a lot of those potential bubble guys. I don't know if it's fair to say he wasn't very good last night. I mean, he played three quarters, three and a half quarters. Definitely you could see he was winded, but he had some good blocks. I mean, I think he's a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker but I think he he did some things and I think he got some he got some 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 uh some plays on tape um and for the coaches to kind of evaluate I think I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he did not make this football team but I think he is still a good player I mean he's he's, he's dealt with a lot of injuries I can also see the 49ers and when we talk about the receivers and the running backs trying to go out and find maybe a swing tackle out there who, you know, some of these folks are getting released here. Um, but I think that middle, I mean, when you talk about that that uh, offensive line, you got to have a discussion about the middle. We don't know what's going on with the middle. If 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 who's going to play the guard, who's going to play the tackle. Uh, you got Sue coming up here next week in Tampa, and he's a beast in the middle. So you got to figure that out real soon. But I think, you know, I think Jonathan, you know, he I think he played well last night. I don't think he's played up to his expectations yet. I just think he needs to get be, get some of these injuries behind him. But he played a lot last night. And he was winded. I agree with Dennis in that uh, I think the 49ers are going to use that that number 2 waiver wire position to uh, bulk up that position, the offensive line more than any other. Uh like I just mentioned, they've already released uh Sam Young, who I thought was a shoo-in to be the, the number three tackle, the swing tackle, just because he was so much better than the rookie just in school, uh, certainly in, in pass protection. Uh, school may have had the edge in, in run blocking, but uh, that, that seems like a pretty big gap if, if you don't even have Young on your team right now. So I, I assume that something is in the works, whether trade or somebody that they can bring in uh, in the waiver wire. As far as the interior line, the guy I thought was was better than the rest, better than Garnett, better than Daniel Brunskill, uh, was Najee uh, Torin, uh, who got a, a brief look uh, on the on the active roster last year, number sixty six. He's played uh, a lot of right guard. He's played some left guard. He's played a lot of center. He gives you uh, a lot of versatility, and I think he's a very good run blocker. Just like the rest of these guys, especially the young guys, it's it's pass protection that uh, that he needs work, and, and where this team as a whole needs uh, needs the most work. After the Kansas City game, Kyle Shanahan had a very interesting comment in relation to Garnett. He said, 
you know, it's not all about upside and potential. And he was obviously referring to Garnett because I think that former first-round draft pick, he, you, you've seen a guy who's flashed a lot, who, as Dennis said, great run blocker, especially last preseason. He was he was really good. But So Shanahan was referring to Garnett when he said, it's not all about this, you know, great upside and potential. It's about being reliable, being able to be there, especially if, if you're fighting for a backup spot on this 53-man roster. So... Shanahan, that was that was a challenge to Garnett ahead of Week Four, ahead of yesterday's game, um, to to show us that you're dependable. Play in that cast, even if though you do have that dislocated finger, and and let's see what you have. And according to what Dennis, uh, you just said, uh, maybe Josh Garnett did answer that challenge yesterday by going out there and laboring through those three quarters and 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 playing, even though he was winded, even though he obviously did have the cast on his hand and and, and wasn't fully healthy. But uh, it's going to come down to who Kyle thinks is the most dependable option, and he has to have a dependable one with with the interior of that line already having suffered through some injuries so far uh, this camp, right? With Mike Person and obviously the center Weston Richburg, and and Rich, like, we got to talk about that. Richburg is a, a guy, especially with Sue looming, that the 49ers have to have at that center position, and and I'm not sure if he's going to be ready for Week One. What do you think, Matt? Well, it was uh, very uh, noticeable that Ben Garland was not in uniform for this game. I don't know if that signaled anything. Uh, mostly, it's the starters who don't play. Ben Garland is a backup, but only a backup if if Weston Richburg is ready. So I think that's still very much in the air. And. There are a number of guys who are iffy for Week One. It, it goes uh, from Weston Richburg to Kwan Williams to Jason Verrett to um, uh, Nick Bosa. Did I already mention him? But there are, are at least uh, half a dozen guys who are sort of fuzzy for that first week, and that's what makes this this roster cut very difficult. And we go back to three or two quarterbacks. Well, part of this is because they need to have depth. At some of these positions where uh, players are not going to be out for a long time, but they may be out for the first or the second game, and uh, you need to get through Tampa and Cincinnati uh, in in, uh, in working order. And so that that's where I think the big conundrum for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan comes in. All right, so let's move to the other side of the ball. The defensive line now took care of the offensive front. The defensive front, this is the one I think that most of Twitter probably wants to hear about. Things got a little less interesting after the Contavious Street injury news. His knee is not fully right yet. So we're going to project Contavious Street to season-ending injured reserve. He's not going to take up a 53-man roster spot. And that really, I think, quelled a little bit of the debate, which was raging on social media. Contavious Street versus Demontre Moore for the 10th spot. And uh, to preface, I think the 49ers will take 10 defensive linemen. And I'm sure that's something that makes uh, Dennis Brown, former 49ers defensive lineman, happy. They're going to stock up at this position, right, Dennis? 10 guys? You always got to stock up at your defense. That's where, that's where it all starts. But again, this is a talented uh, bunch of guys that play defensive line. I mean, we've seen Sheldon, Sheldon Day play every preseason game he was he was he played last night into the third quarter so he's getting some good looks and he's looking he may be the guy that starts week one against Tampa we saw DJ Jones last week play really well uh Julian Taylor I mean he's a guy he's he's a good guy who can play inside and outside we know what DeForest Buckner does D Ford is gonna be great to see I haven't seen D Ford not even in practice so I'm excited to see him play against Tampa and then of course Nick Bosa is going to make the football team I think Ronald Blair 
is going to be part of this crew too. You know, his his first snap from scrimmage last night, he gave up a big run to the outside, but I think he's a guy that's going to make the, make the squad. And Kevin Givens, he flashes. I mean, this kid on the inside, well, he's not a kid, but this guy on the inside, I mean, he can run sideline to sidelines and he really get after it. Uh, Demontre Moore impressed me last night. I mean, he's a guy, you talk about toughness, he's out there with a club and he's still out there, you know, making, uh, making plays with one hand. Even though as a defensive lineman, hands get in the way, the club is actually an advantage for a defensive lineman. So I think the guy that's going to miss out there is going to be Jordan. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and uh, it may be Jay Brawley. I mean, those are the two guys that might miss this cut or be in this cut. But that defensive line, again, is strong and, and uh, it, a lot of talent. And I'm excited to watch them play come week one. Yeah, to me, the, the interesting question is, who is that 10th defensive lineman? Uh, you know, as David noted, Contavious Street had been in the mix for that. Uh, that spot, he's probably going to go on IR. So now, to me, it comes down between Demontre Moore, who's a uh, who's going into his seventh year. He's uh, sort of squandered some of his chances earlier in his career, but but seems to has re- have really uh, refocused himself. Uh, is a new father and has uh, reached a, a level of maturity that he might not have had early on in his career when he was known more for fighting teammates and getting suspended and this and that and the other, uh, it, to me it's him versus Kevin Givens, who's an undrafted guy who, as Dennis noted, has really flashed uh, in the preseason and who's really well-suited for this penetrating defense. I mean, he's, uh, he's the guy that you draw up, uh, very Sheldon Day-like in that regard. Sheldon Day is going to be a uh, free agent next year, so the, the 49ers may want to use that 10th spot, not for a veteran, but for a, uh, a young guy that they can bring along. And, and that's why I picked uh, Givens in, in my last 53-man projection and not Demontre Moore. However, I also, in that same projection, covered my you-know-what by uh, saying why uh, Demontre Moore would also be a good choice there. Um, and, and the reason is he's an edge rusher. And uh, the 49ers have good edge rushers, but those edge rushers also have a long injury history. Uh, so yeah, you would love to have a, uh, a a worthwhile backup there, but I can see it going either way. I just have them going with Givens in my last uh, projection. Yeah, I see it the same way I do when Contavious Street was still presumably healthy in that, okay, so the 49ers have a pretty reliable glut of interior linemen, especially if you're talking about moving Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead to play on the inside more frequently this year. Whereas, yes, they they finally have stocked up on the edges, but between you know your two best guys there, in D Ford and Nick Bosa, you've already dealt with a ton of missed time throughout training camp and preseason. So you know, I think, Dennis, before we went on air, you, you mentioned Demontre Moore is the third best pass rusher on this team. So, you know, considering that, it's going to be hard to leave him out if that's what the 49ers choose to do because you have to make sure that you're getting that edge pressure. And that's where the 49ers, even though they spent so much to get Ford and Bosa, still seem a little bit thin out on the outside. And and that's why I would give uh, DeMontre Moore the lean, especially now that Contavious Street um, is out of the mix for this year or presumably out of the mix this year. I just think that more fills a, a, a position need that the 49ers need a little bit more, Dennis. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, you th- when you talk about this 49er team, and we've talked about it the last couple of years, pass rushers is what, is what they need. They need that pass rush. Two interceptions last season. 
you know, just no pressure on the quarterback. So it's so super important, you know, to get those guys on the outside, especially if you don't know, you know, when a Nick Bosa is going to come back, where he's going to be 100%. Uh, you're going to need on the other side there because you know what D Ford's going to bring. He's going to be flushing out quarterbacks left and right. So you need someone that's going to give you some consistent, contained, and pass rush from that other side. So edge rushers are important. But if you watch the game last night, the one part of the defense that was exposed was at the edge. So you also need guys who can set to contain and be strong on the outside. One other argument for Demontre Moore, if you look at what the Seattle Seahawks are neediest in, it's defensive ends. And uh, who was sitting in the press box for the first game, first preseason game, the, the 49ers versus Cowboys, but John Schneider, the uh, the GM of the Seahawks. So I wonder if Demontre Moore hit the waiver wire or, or, or were cut, he, he might just become a free agent. Uh, whether the Seahawks would just pluck him up uh, as soon as he becomes available. Because well, he, that's he played with the Seahawks for a while, medias. I believe. Yeah, he did. No. He's one of several teams. But, uh, you know, with uh, maybe uh, more hitting the uh, – becoming a little bit more mature and, and reaching a level of responsibility he hasn't had before, uh, maybe they see uh, that he's, he's turned the page. Well, that, that's going to be the most dramatic decision in my mind. I've been following that one for a while, so we'll keep our eye on that on Saturday. We're running a little bit up against time here, but the, uh, this was the plan anyway because I think the last two position groups we can kind of clump into one here quickly, linebackers and, and the defensive backs, the back seven of the defense, if you will. I think there's going to be a lot less drama uh, here because the 49ers have already made a cut and Malcolm Smith, and that's one we expected anyway. I, th- I think with the linebackers, it- it's a question of does Mark Nazacha make the team or not, but I think it's Aziz El-Shair, in my opinion, is is on the 53 for the 49ers. And in that in that defensive back room, the one you know that I think might be debatable or might pull at some heartstrings is Adrian Colbert, but after he you know, re-aggravated the hamstring again yesterday, I, I mean, it's... It's going to be tough for the 49ers to rely on Colbert, even though he was the week one starter in 2018. So between Colbert and Mark Nazacha, I think those are the two big questions at linebacker and defensive back. What do you guys think? I think I think Mark makes a squad only because of his special teams and what he does on the special teams. And uh, Adrian Colbert, unfortunately, I mean, he's a guy that, that I was excited about because he was such a thumper. Uh, but he dealt with injuries and, and then his inconsistency, and then he got kicked out that game. I believe it was the Dallas game he got kicked out of. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think he's a guy, but I think he's a guy that's going to play somewhere in the National Football League. But I think um, right now, you know, I think he, you know, the, the battle between him and, you know, and let's talk about Jimmy Ward. I mean, just real quick, Jimmy Ward kind of came in one game and showed why the 49ers keep him around because he's that type of player that, that makes plays on the field. Uh, and then you don't see him the next preseason game. But, you know, Jimmy Ward's going to make the team, but I don't think Adrian Corbin's going to make this squad. Yeah, to me, as far as linebackers, it's the question of whether it's David Mayo or Mark Nazacha. Which special team's ace makes the squad? And it'll probably come down to Richard Hightower, the, the coordinator, making that, uh, making that pick. Um, in in Mayo's favor, he plays middle linebacker, so um, he he's a a backup to Fred Warner. If anything happened there, I just don't think that he's as athletic as uh, Nazacha. It doesn't move as well, uh, and therefore probably isn't as valuable as a special teamer 
as uh, Nazatra has been. Well, it's going to be really interesting, and we'll certainly check back in next week after the 49ers cut this down to 53 because there's like, what, we, we I think we just went through like five or six really, really pressing questions that could go either way on this roster. So the chances that we projected all of them right are, are pretty low uh, given that many variables in this. Anyway, guys, it's been great talking to you from afar. I know we went a little bit long, but I know that our fans who – are obsessed with the 53-man roster complexion as we are uh we'll be happy to hear about all the nitty-gritty so hopefully next week we have well, we will we'll have some answers next week we'll have some firm stuff to talk about anyway for dennis brown and, and for matt barrows this is david lombardi signing off we'll talk to you guys next week on here's the catch